Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to Found Flicks. On this ending explain, we're looking at crimes of the future. We're in the not too distant future. A celebrity performance artist showcases the evolution of new organs developing in his body. Meanwhile, a mysterious group tries to use his notoriety to shed light on the next phase of human evolution. If for no other reason this movie is a big deal because it's Canadian maestro David Cronenberg's return to body horror for the first time since existence back in 1999. After that, he did a bunch more kind of mature movies, which I did enjoy as well, but he will always be best known for his distinct horror style that really came into prominence with Scanners, The Fly, and Videodrome, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. I was definitely hyped for Cronenberg's return, and Crimes is a return to many themes and ideas that he has explored over his many decades career, and it feels like a full circle from where he started as a filmmaker, but with a more mature perspective. But it's interesting as you can feel Cronenberg going back to what he is most known for, but putting a different spin on themes and ideas that he's previously explored. Now, Crimes isn't quite as gory or horror-centric as some of his earlier work, but it is a much more thoughtful and strange look into the future, as well as what it means to be an artist. There's a lot to digest with this one, and it has some interesting, complex ideas on its mind. So let's check out Crimes of the Future, breaking down the story and the world our story takes place within, the themes explored about evolution and humanity, as well as explaining the ending and what it all means. Our world is quickly established in the striking opening image of a capsized rusting cruise liner out in the water. This is in many ways a post-technology society. There's no cars or internet or anything like that around anymore, implying this is an after-the-fall kind of situation. A young boy, Brecken, plays by the water, and his mother yells down, warning him to not eat anything that he finds down there. We then see where her concern comes from, when after brushing his teeth, Brecken goes for the trash can and starts chomping down on the plastic. His mother looks on disturbed, and indeed doesn't see Brecken as her son, but instead some kind of freakish monster. And that night, while he's asleep, she suffocates him with a pillow. Later, looking listless, she gets a call from her ex and Brecken's papa, Lang, informing him if he wants to get the creature that he calls his son, his body will be here waiting for him. But she won't be. She suddenly gets emotional, sobbing into her hands, at least feeling some guilt for killing the so-called creature. Lang arrives later to retrieve the body, and at the site mourns for his son, clearly feeling more of a connection to him than his mom. What does still remain technology-wise, is usually something terrifying looking and complicatedly designed to help us with the most incredibly basic task. Like, that thing is his bed, with his weird arm things attached all over him and everything. It utilizes some kind of advanced software that Saul believes is in need of an update. The bed is unable to anticipate his pain properly. His partner, in many ways, Caprice, offers to get out the ominously named life form wear service right away. There is some good news, as a new hormone was found in his bloodstreams and tests overnight, meaning that he has once more created a new organ in his body. That's kind of his whole thing, as it turns out. He's disappointed by its small size but she reminds him that it is a brand new functioning organ. They have a process of marking each one with a tattoo, as is required by the organ registry, the mention of which causes Saul to elicit a derisive scoff. Of course. We see a stark contrast in the duo regarding breakfast. While Caprice enjoys an average breakfast of bacon and eggs, on the other hand, Saul is in another nightmare of tech known as the breakfast chair. A series of twisting arms and bits are supposed to help him choke down his weird green gruel, but it looks pretty painful in spite of the thing's assistance. 
existence. They set off into the night and in the street passed by Lang hanging with some unseemly characters and eating a weird looking kind of candy bar. They arrive at the National Organ Registry and the Dr. Whippet recognizes Saul, appearing starstruck in his presence. The same goes for his associate Timlin, who comes off as quite awkward, her voice ever barely above a whisper. When it comes to this odd sounding registry, it's quite new and operates in secrecy but is technically a branch of the so-called new vice unit. They stress the importance of registering these neo-organs as it is critical to governments around the world. Their real worry is evolution and that it could be going in a new wrong direction. They bring up a new phenomenon in this post-fall world that no one feels pain. Our thresholds have completely disappeared. Yet pain acts as an important warning system for our body that we simply do not have anymore. Well, shows you how things have changed since uh, the good old days when we were in constant pain. However, they don't know why this happened and it seems that infections have also disappeared. No one nowadays washes their hands at all. Gross. This has led to a new kind of home surgery, dismissing it as repulsive. Saul reveals that he's been making organs for years, but has them removed consistently. He agrees that it is the right thing to do, as these neo-organs are essentially tumors that could kill you. When asking about Caprice and Saul's relationship, they work as performance artists together, removing his tumors for captivated crowds. She at least has experience as a trauma surgeon, and upon meeting Saul, they soon open things up in each other, changing their lives completely, as they both left their original professions to pursue their their surgery art. Whippet beams, they're beyond professionals. They're stars. Everyone wants to be a performance artist these days, but not everyone can hack it. They return to the subject at hand, taking a look at the new organ, which Whippet describes as beautiful, perhaps even sensual. He explains the purpose of tattooing these novel organs, whose functions are unknown, is so that they can be registered and kept track of. The fear is that it might be possible to genetically pass these neo-organs down to children, who would then no longer be considered human human in a classical sense. Mm, that sounds odd. After the meeting, Caprice complains that he invited them to their show, but he wisely sees the value in getting them on their side. Some techs show up to help fix his bed, and they are more than impressed. It's a top-of-the-line model. With just a few adjustments, they promise he'll be floating in no time, and offer maintenance on as many other products of theirs that he owns. Amongst the units he has, they're shocked to see that he has the legendary Sark unit, which they have never seen for themselves. It's the same device that they use for their performances, which was originally intended for autopsies. After some mods, it is now, as Caprice describes it, her paintbrush. Its purpose has been evolved into something else entirely. We then get to see the duo in action with Caprice addressing the crowd, all snapping photos at the site. She utilizes a weird fleshy glowing controller thing to manipulate the Sark's arms and begins to cut open Saul's skin. More arms open up the cut exposing the gutty works inside. One really gets up in there, which Saul actually seems to find pleasurable, as does Caprice looking a little weak in the knees. It's like pain is pleasure now since people generally don't feel anything at all. It yanks out his neo-organ to shock and awe from the onlookers and the arms get to work patching him back up. Typically shy, Timlin seems to have had an awakening of sorts and feels compelled to talk with Saul, asking him point blank, Surgery is sex, isn't it? He's like, uh, does it have to be? And she believes that it is time. When she was watching Caprice cutting him and she has to catch her breath, she wanted him to be cutting into her. That's when she knew. He only offers a bemused, hmm, before taking his leave. Like, see you later, weirdo. See, there you go. Surgery is the new sex. Welcome to the future, people. The tech gals boast about the importance of Saul's work, calling him an artist of the inner landscape. He's creating art out of pain. As she says, at Lifeform Wear, they special 
specialize in manipulating and modulating people's pain, feeling Saul is their greatest challenge. They want to get rid of the pain while he embraces it. The guy they're rambling to grabs the remnants of one of Lang's weird candy bar things, but I don't think it's candy as it causes him to vomit up weird blue liquid. The girls aren't exactly bothered either as he collapses to the floor right in front of them. That probably happens all the time. Just the future. Working with Saul has caught the attention of the registry's superiors at New Vice, meeting Detective Coates. Saul left them behind an archive of all of his many grown neo organs, which Whippet dubs the Tensor Organography, a record for his art. It seems many people are out there growing neo organs in secret, hence the new need for legal registration. He says it's akin to discovering a new species of animal, while Timlin suggests it's more like discovering a new Picasso. Cope doesn't get how they think an organ can be art and shows off a lump on his abdomen. Well, is that art, huh? She explains how Saul is taking over the change in his own body and creates theater out of it, believing that it has potent meaning. They show off his organ portfolio and are impressed by Caprice's work on one of the pieces. Cope thinking it's actually her that's the artist. Saul is merely a glorified organ donor. Whippet scoffs that these are performances and even believes that perhaps on a subconscious level, it's actually Saul willing these organs to grow. As for his lump, they suggest he better get it looked at. Sorry. Sorry, it's just a regular old lump, dude. As seems to be the routine, Caprice wakes up Saul in the morning and he has news. He's already working on something new. She's surprised that it's happened so soon and notes that the interval between gross is getting smaller. He dismisses it as him just feeling creative and well, they'll just have to start cutting faster. It's not a problem. It's just a whole bunch of new crazy organs. I don't know where they came from or what they do, but it's fine. He checks out another performance from someone called Clinic, who's a dude covered in a whole bunch of extra ears, along with having his mouth and eyes shut. A voice booms out over the speakers. It's time to stop seeing and speaking. It's time to listen. Dance music comes on and the guy does his own interpretive performance kind of thing. Saul is watching on nearby in the shadows and encounters a lady who works for the place as their biological coordinator. She admits to not exactly being impressed by the guy's many ears. It's not like they work anyway. She naturally recognizes Saul, asking if he's working on anything, but he shrugs. He doesn't ever really know. It's not his decision. She considers that perhaps it is. The creation of beauty cannot be an accident, which is actually a quote of his, it turns out. Yeah, see, I quoted back at you. She points him to another specialist in inner beauty, and she's already booked him an appointment. He's confused if it's for a medical problem, but she corrects it's actually a political one. Nice uh, undercover ninja outfit there, by the way. Outside, Lang is in the middle of cutting up some lady's leg and joins Saul on his walk. He pitches him a concept for another kind of show. He knows the Sark was originally used for autopsies, so why not do one for a show? He lures him in with guaranteed surprises before revealing the body is actually his nine-year-old son. He's confused about the situation here and having his son's body, which Lang casually tells him, yeah, of course I have his body. No big deal. Everybody's got their kids' bodies laying around, right? Lang prods Saul about how radical he really is. Is he afraid of a little emotion? Saul coughs that he's afraid of everything and saunters off. Saul continues having trouble eating in spite of his super chair and complains that his throat thing is extra severe today. She broaches that he was out for a long time yesterday and he skirts the subject back to his well-being. He's not in discomfort, he says, but feels a more compelling fullness. Not a bad feeling exactly, he surmises. At least it's somewhat interesting. Feeling anything at all is better than nothing, I guess. He brings up the show from last night and Lang's show idea. This time, he controls the frog thing and she is the subject in the Sark. It definitely feels sensual in nature here, with her sighing with each cut on her skin. He suggests that she could be inside the Sark at the next show, but she wants this to just be for us. See, new weird intimate thing they share not the old sex, but the new style. You get in the big autopsy thing and I'll cut you up. That's called sex, all right? That's the future.
we don't have boats anymore, so what are you gonna do, you know? He joins her and they cuddle together as the arms make more and more slices. Now that's intimate. Surprisingly, Saul is also working undercover in tandem with Cope, and not even Caprice knows about it. Cope makes it clear that his concern is what is happening to people's bodies, his in particular. He shows off Dr. Nassitir's card, divulging that he was contacted at the clinic show. He doesn't mind the performance, but dismisses it as escapist propaganda. Cope suggests he follows up with the doctor to find out what he wants. Saul is curious about the meaning behind the name New Vice Unit, and Cope explains that it sounds sexier than evolutionary derangement, which makes it easier to get funding. There's someone else that Saul wants to speak with, Brecken's murdering mom, which Cope is able to help set up. So, see, he's not just working for Cope, but using his connections for his own means. Smart guy. I'm playing both sides, and that way you always end up on top. Saul goes on to meet Nassatir, and once more his reputation precedes him, the doctor calling meeting him being like a lightning bolt in from the blue. He sits him down on the table and proposes to install a so-called Riplock, a permanent zipper in his skin to make access easier. Saul is confused, thinking that this was something political, but Nassatir dismisses his colleague as just being overdramatic. He's just the mechanic, installing doors and windows into the future. The politics will come when things get registered. Not with the organ registry, but his entry in the brand new Inner Beauty pageant. The doc is confident that he would be a contender. And I'm like, what the? Inner Beauty pageant? That's pretty weird. Also, right out of Dead Ringers, don't forget. Back with Caprice, he shows off his abdomen and fresh rip lock in his skin. He then fills her in on the specifics for the pageant. Apparently it's not quite legal and he's entering in the category of best original organ with no known function. Okay, makes you wonder what the other categories are. Caprice is a bit confused by this new surgical development. Has this made them as artists obsolete? But according to Saul, the zipper is merely functional and cannot replace their art. She mulls over what Tinman said about surgery being the new sex and seductively rubs her finger along his wound. She thinks it does have its own sex appeal and starts vigorously making out with a zipper. She gets a little rough, Saul wincing for her to be careful and don't spill. Precious blood. He then meets the boy's mother in prison and learns more about his particular condition. She never even thought of him as a son, but more like a creature as he only ever ate plastic and other synthetic materials. Saul needs a moment to understand this. The boy could digest plastic? She mentions he did have a strange, weird, acidic drool that would get on everything and would even break down plastic. Most of all, she blames her ex-husband Lang for the entire ordeal, as though he did it to torment her, and curses letting that slimy worm grow in her body. Strangely, the police do not believe that she killed her son, even though she confessed, as they have been unable to find the body. Huh? Well, we know who has that, right? She knows, too, calling the corpse her little divorce present to Lang. When pressed as to what he's going to do with it, she thinks that perhaps him and his cannibal buddies are going to eat it. When she says cannibal, she actually means they all eat synthetic stuff like Brecken. He also is curious what they would find via an autopsy and she is unsure, only suggesting outer space. Some weird. Lang does appear to be part of some kind of plastic-eating commune, and they are the ones also manufacturing those weird bars that killed that other dude. He tells the others they're going forward with the autopsy, and they're hopeful that going public will help their message to resonate. Saul and Caprice check out another lady's art show, where she gets her face all carved up in intricate fashion. It's pretty skin-crawling to watch. It does have a profound impact on Caprice, her shedding a tear at the mutilation. After the show, the two meet, and Caprice gushes about how confident and peaceful she appeared the whole time. The 
feeling shocked her but was also enticing. Odile encourages that a desire to be open is often the door to something new and exciting, inviting her to join up with her and her buds later. Well, that seems like a fun crowd. Meeting them does give her her first taste of the kind of trauma and pain thing by getting several implants in her forehead, and it already has changed her behavior dramatically, screeching to Saul that she wants to do the autopsy herself. He also notes the difference in her demeanor, and she boasts that she's not shy anymore. Just need to get some face implants that'll boost anyone's confidence. She even has new input for the upcoming show, inspired by Odile, who wants to do more than just perform. She wants to construct. Saul argues that the autopsy already has a pretty straightforward structure, but she wants to work with it further, believing that it is juicy with meaning. At the registry, Whippet seems a bit cagey and takes him to the safe room where they keep their more provocative material. Whippet gushes that he is happy Saul is part of their team, and he spills to him that he's in charge of the inner beauty pageant, but urges him to keep it a secret. Uh-oh, starting to get political, just like they said. Whippet thinks he has a good chance of not only winning his category, but even best in show. Saul starts to appear uncomfortable with this whole thing, thinking that unlike the pageant that's about acceptance, he stands for the opposite, anger, rebellion, and a rejection of the scalpel. Thinking that this is a mistake, he turns to leave, and Whippet pleads with him to stay. They need him, and promises to give him whatever he wants. This convinces him to change his mind and sign up after all. Timlin appears out of nowhere and startles him, asking him to her office. She expresses concern about a change in Whippet's personality, as the registry has grown to prominence. She knows how easy it is to be dazzled by the performance world and people like Saul, and thinks that Whippet has been lured into the gravitational pool of all that glamour and fame, and feels that she has to turn him in. After checking the security in the room, Saul reveals what he's discovered. Brecken has a neo organ system that can actually digest synthetics and plastics. The only thing the registry have encountered so far is single organ growths like Saul's. He considers what would happen if the organs were allowed to accumulate. They could perhaps evolve or develop into an entirely new system of organs. And it seems that she too has been lured in by the bright lights, offering that she really wants to be part of the show. Her in the Sark with him at the controls. She goes in and caresses his face before going in for a kiss. They both moan as though even this kind of physical contact is something they haven't experienced in a long time. But Saul pulls back and clears his throat before giving an apology that he's not very good at the old sex. Now for a word from this week's sponsor, Babbel. I'm sure we can all relate that learning a second language in school wasn't exactly a delightful experience. I personally took Spanish through college and it was definitely a struggle, especially at first. Ultimately, taking the class did actually help. Learning a language definitely has benefits, but no one wants to think of being in a stuffy old classroom. Well, worry no more, as thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's a new, more interesting, and even addictively fun way to learn a new language. They break down each lesson into easy to tackle 15 minute blocks, making it a perfect way to learn a new language without it feeling overwhelming. They set it up with a variety of different kinds of learning tools that really help to sync in the information no matter how you learn. And with the convenient app, it's easy to learn a new language on the go. There's 14 total languages you can learn, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. So why not give it a try? If you're not satisfied, it comes with a 20 day money back guarantee. And right now, when you purchase a three month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to babbel.com and use promo code ending. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com code ending. Then it's off to reconnect with Lang and see the boy's body for themselves. He casually keeps it in a freezer and Caprice finds the whole thing disturbing, thinking that they shouldn't do this. But it's Lang that is the driving force here. So why does he want to do it? Wouldn't a normal police autopsy work just fine? Not so much as they would cover up the truth and he wants to make a very public statement. Based on what we've learned, it's sounding like Brecken did have an entirely new set of organs 
substance that allowed him to digest plastics, and that's what Lang is trying to expose. It also appears, as Whippet suggested earlier, that these traits were actually passed down genetically by Lang. He holds up one of those bars, which Saul says he hasn't seen before. He tells him he definitely should check it out. It's a revelation. They excuse that he is fussy with food, and he can relate, as he and Brecken also had the same problem. He believed the answer was the breakfast chair, but then he started thinking that he was actually fighting who he really was. He should let his body lead the way, rather than hacking it to pieces. According to what Saul believes, if they had left his new organs in there, he would be dead by now. It is supposedly his body wanting to kill him. That is how they make art out of the anarchy, meaning out of the emptiness. But Lang checks them, that perhaps they're merely interrupting a natural process from occurring. He admits he hadn't thought about that until now, giving him something pretty serious to chew on. He seeks out Cope's input on everything, and it turns out that Lang is already on the radar. They don't want just him though, but his entire group of freaks. He knows that he likes Saul, and is confident that he can infiltrate the group, as they are all plastic eaters. He brings up those purple candy bars, which are actually synth bars made of plastic and other synthetic material. The guy that ate one earlier was an agent of his, and he died instantly, while Lang and his cohorts can munch away with no problem. As we know, they seemingly have an entirely new digestive system, and this proves to be a problem for Cope and others, as they are evolving away from the human path, and they cannot be allowed to continue. When it comes to other shaky alliances, we don't really ever get which side the tech gals are playing for, but their next appearance makes it seem like they are ultimately loyal to New Vice, or maybe just the company. They show up to Nasseteers under the guise of helping him with his breakfast chair, but they wind up assassinating him, leaving him in his still-moving chair. Knowing the government will soon be after them, especially with the looming autopsy, Lang and his group get the compound ready to move out. Saul learns there's about 70 of them, but many more spread out all over the globe. As far as their curious diet, the entire group all had surgery to change up their gutting works. The motivation is that they felt their bodies were telling them to change or evolve in order to sync up with technology and ironically feed on our own waste. So Lang and his gang had surgery to be able to digest plastics and Brecken was actually the first naturally born with this neo-organ system. As was mentioned, Lang's surgically acquired characteristics were indeed passed on to his son. Thusly, the purpose behind the autopsy is to show Brecken to the world, a representation of the future where humanity exists and is at peace and harmony with the techno world that we've created. He doesn't quite know what will be revealed inside the boy, but he at least knows it will be beautiful. The crowd is abuzz for their big autopsy, including some surprise guests like Whippet and Timlin, along with the tech gals. Saul goes for the controller while Caprice addresses the audience. You thought the body was empty of meaning and wanted to confirm as such so that you can then fill it with meaning. They begin to carve the boy open and she introduces the corpse of Brecken, murdered by his mother because of what was hidden in his body. For her, the body was not empty of meaning and they open up the goodie bag, exposing a mass of tattooed organs that resemble the same ones removed from Saul. The crowd is aghast, along with Whippet, but curiously, Timlin looks unusually unaffected. We don't know what they were actually hoping to see, but it seems that this was not it. Caprice lamenting there will have to be more and more autopsies, diving back inside with the hope of finding a different answer next time. But for now, let us not be afraid to map the chaos inside of us. Let us create a map that will guide us into the heart of darkness. Lang is despondent on the steps outside, muttering no to himself and rocking back and forth. The tech girls join him, telling him what they saw was hideous, but Lang knows that something wasn't right and blames his ex-wife for potentially tampering with things. They inform him that she didn't have anything to do with it, but they have something that she might like and both take power drills to the back of his head. After crushing his skull to bits, Lang tumbles down the stairs lifelessly. In the aftermath, Saul meets once more with Cope, who divulges that things are starting to get real busy up at New Vice. There's lots of people out there nowadays with scalpels. Saul is impressed by this information 
condition, but wasn't so impressed by the obvious hack job done to Brecken's insides. Yep, he could already tell right off the bat something was amiss. And Cope, we learn, has a man on the inside. It was actually Timlin, inspired by Caprice, that did the surgery on the boy. He admits that when they first looked inside of him, you would have not recognized anything in there, but the hell of it was, it was all natural. He was born that way. Saul now understands New Vice's motivation. They don't want word of this evolution to get out. To them, it is an abomination, and these people evolving can again no longer be classically considered human. Saul too tries to pin Lang's assassination on Cope, but he denies any responsibility, making it sound like the girls were kind of doing their own thing. Regardless, according to Saul, his death will make him a martyr, as there was a group left behind that believed in his cause. Cope scoffs that he's starting to sound like a believer himself, and Saul acknowledges to really be undercover, you gotta believe at least a little bit. Saul continues having difficulty merely existing as he tumbles out of bed, heaving in pain. She's fascinated, as she has never felt pain before. He says it's hard to describe, but it's part of the dreaming, mixing with emotional pain. This description alone leaves Caprice breathless. She was almost feeling things herself. He even had a dream about Lang and his whole family. They were all in the Sark together. That's right, a triple autopsy. She wants to know who it was at the helms, and of course, it was you and I. So yeah, it does seem like love, at least in a very, very weird way. Very Cronenberg way, I cut you up and I love you, but you know, works for them. He tries once more in his stupid food chair and is struggling as usual to swallow it down. Caprice offers a different option, pulling out one of those synth bars. She approaches him, wanting to know his thoughts. He cries, yes, in obvious pain. She carefully unwraps it and shakily reaches it out. Is he gonna be okay or is he gonna die? We don't know. He takes a big old bite and suddenly the breakfast chair stops moving and powers down. A wave of pure relief washes over his face. He even smiles with a single tear rolling down his cheek, which is of course by far our biggest display of emotion in the entire movie, in a world dominated by numbness. This display proves what he had been fighting with as a person as well as an artist. His whole idea was rejecting these new organs as they were considered a kind of disease and even killing him if they were not removed. However, as Lang showed him, there was something much grander at play. The beginning stages of a new step in evolution, thanks to the world becoming what it is today. We know Lang and his followers had surgery done to create their new system of plastic digesting organs, but then there was Brecken, a natural progression of that to the next generation. But then with Saul, it's a little different. He's obviously older, and it seems that his neo-organ development started later in life. It's like his body was actively trying to adapt to its next stage, but again, naturally. That's where the whole struggle is for Saul, as he learns more and more about his strange organ-growing condition. He's still trying desperately to be human, even using the death chair to try and eat his food. But his body knows this isn't what it wants. So in the end, when he finally tries the synth bars, it's him being able to embrace fully what he is which is not strictly human, but a new form that thrives on our own mounds of waste. That's why it has such a profound emotional effect on him. It was achieving something that he never even thought was possible until that moment. I could see him going on to take up Lang's mantle as figurehead of this plastic eating movement and work further to expose the truth to others around the world, especially now that it's already getting bigger and politically controlled. There's that big debate of something being wrong with this person because they are technically no longer human versus understanding and accepting this natural evolution. I remember when Cope told him he was starting to sound like a believer, and Saul agreed. I think he meant this genuinely. He was actually coming to understand the purpose behind Lang's movement. So it makes sense that thanks to him 
already having stardom, he could really bring the cause a lot more attention. That's what it feels like the ending implies, and they will go on to, as Capri suggested, add another important layer of meaning to their art. This whole experience, and what it means to Saul personally, also has huge ramifications for humankind. Now when it comes to Saul and the story itself, it is rife with all kinds of themes and other takes on humanity, evolution, and much more, but it's also kind of a representation of an artist in a more grandiose fashion. It's said that art is like giving a piece of yourself, or indeed sacrificing part of oneself in order to create art. That fits perfectly with Saul in a purely physical sense. He is literally cutting himself and removing his organs, giving a part of himself for the sake of art. We can then start to see Saul, at least in some ways, represent Cronenberg himself. He's off doing his own thing to acclaim. But then the allure of the big time comes calling, which really syncs up with that scene with Whippet and the whole inner beauty pageant thing. Saul feels uncomfortable being involved, but ultimately is lured in by the promise of whatever he wants. You can almost feel Cronenberg coming through here, perhaps at one point compromising his art in some way in order to achieve more success. I wrote all that previous stuff before stumbling upon a quote from the director that illuminates exactly as I suspected. Saul is an avatar of the artist who is actually giving everything he could, opening himself up and giving the most intimate part of himself hidden inside. He's offering it up to his audience and thusly is vulnerable to rejection, misunderstanding, and anger. And to him, that is the model of a true passionate artist. That brings us to the conclusion of this ending explained for Crimes of the Future. And don't forget, before we go, you can send me requests for any movies or TV shows you'd like to see me explain by sending them my way on any of my social media accounts at Foundflix. What did you guys think of Crimes of the Future and its ending? Do you have a different interpretation of what's going on? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow. Thanks for watching Foundflix. See you next time.